I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm your usual host, Matthew Wellington. I'm joined tonight once again by Mike Miller. Hello. Been a while. For you. Think For me. <laughs> no, has it? I don't know. We weren't on last week's one, but I'm sure no, we were the week uh, before. Joe and Jamie did the last one. Yeah. Hugh did the one in between that because now we've got a WNBA podcast, so it gets a little bit confusing. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. So maybe there has been a few. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. But anyway, um, please go check out the um, the fantastic WNBA podcast, which Hugh Hopkins put out last week, where he interviewed LA Sparks' um, Carly Samuelson on uh, all kinds of things, from Bianca Stewart's injury to Liz Cambridge's reported trade rumors. It was a really great 25 minutes just going around the WNBA um, Hughes rolling into form with that as uh, we roll, roll towards the season. I believe that's shown on um, Sky Sports this year as well. So when you're out of the NBA and you need more NBA, you can put the women's NBA on, which is a great thing. But yeah, we're we're doing our best to uh, to to cover cover a sport that probably isn't probably safe in saying it's not covered in the UK at all. Well, the NBA is barely covered in the UK. But well, true, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> but that will be changing. Sky Sports obviously picked it up, which is great. Um, yeah. And Hugh will be picking it up this end as well. There's some plans for for more WNBA content. Basketball never stops. Basketball does never stop. And we are in the midst of the playoffs, just in case you didn't know. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I just... I, I, one of the one of the US shows I was watching earlier on was saying how disappointed they've been with the first round, but I, I don't really get where they're they're coming from. I've quite enjoyed the first round so far. We've had some some nice memorable moments already. Yeah, and uh, there's been a lot of sort of contentious matchups, whereas we sort of have this perception now that everyone's pally pally and it's a mates league and there's no rivalries anymore. And I'm pretty sure. <laughs> there are some rivalries that have started if they weren't already there. There's there's been some really kind of confrontational situations, which I think is great. It's all it's all nice, healthy competition. Love it. Yeah, and Jared last... Dudley. Yeah, and Jared Dudley. Yeah, <laughs> turning around and doing the gladiator. Are you not entertained? Ben Simmons goes down the other end, dunks all over the place. Amazing. Simmons is having a, a phenomenal series as well. I saw um, Tom Reed. He used to do believe the hype podcast down in Australia. He's over in the states now, and. Um, he was posting posting the highlights of the games. I think he's just been following the Australian players around the league since he got there, which is a pretty cool thing to do. Like you go from, you know, being a podcaster like we are to like following Australia's young talent around in the postseason, which is a pretty cool thing to do. It's just a shame we've not got anyone we can follow really. OG. OG's not playing though, man. Yeah, I know, but he's still there. He's still there. Still in the league. I don't want to go over there and, you know, and not watch, watch him, him in his, in, watch him in his street clothes. <laughs> yeah, okay. sitting in the locker room at the, the Scotiabank Arena or whatever the hell it is they call it now. <laughs> Fair point. I, yeah. I'll, I'll concede on that one. We've had some crazy moments. I mean, James Harden went 0-15 for the first half the other night in a game which the Jazz, I, I, I don't know how they lost it. I posted about it in the Agony and the Ecstasy, which is the sort of playoff recap series we've been doing on DoubleClutch.uk. But... I've never seen a, a more demoralizing postseason defeat. They did everything they possibly could to win that game. Um, Donovan Mitchell was was unbelievable, missed a, a shot to, to sort of win the game and tie at the end. But you know, he's what twenty one. It's his second year in the league. His time will come, man. It's it's just going to take a a little bit longer. And Gordon Hayward was was fantastic on. Sunday night, it was Sunday night. The bank holiday weekend's proper screwed my head this week. I don't know about you, but oh yeah, totally. Feels I've like, got feels no like idea what day behind. Day is. 
I, I, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've no idea what's going on. I've been knackered. It feels like for about two weeks now. It's just I bizarre. Had a, I had a great time Sunday night because I went out to watch the basketball with some of my friends in Norwich, which you know because I've told you a million times, is very difficult for me to do because I don't have any NBA friends here. And um, <laughs> I managed to sit them all down in front of Sky Sports, grab a big Nando's takeaway, some beers. And uh, yeah, we watched the uh, the Pacers and the Celtics and then the Warriors and the Clippers. And they were all really entertaining games. It's quite interesting seeing the contrast in the sort of the casual NBA fan. I did a little bit of history where we went through YouTube and looked at Malice in the Palace because they were asking about fights. Um, I like so, that. Yeah, it, Do it they just, fight? Is that is that what they come in that, asking? That, it's like, oh, yeah, this is basketball. Do they fight? <laughs> One of the questions was, do they actually have a proper fight? And I was like, well, let's let's look at Malice in the Palace, and we we got it up on YouTube. And what yeah, what motivated that question? I don't I don't get that. Like, <laughs> oh, right, so there's guys running around with a with a ball. Do they fight? What do you want? It, it might have been. There might have been a little scuff in the Pacers game. Where, okay. I, I think that might have been it. But um, yeah, there was some catalyst that ended up with us watching Malice in the Palace, which was um. Which was an interesting turn, but um, yeah, when the when the Clippers and Warriors game came on, it was like they were, you know, their fan, their casual fandom went to a whole other level as they watched um, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Durant do do what they do. Um, it's it's quite amazing to see the impact they have on just people who don't really follow basketball. Like, what, what, you know, I, I think it's because it's so effortless topic, and amazing. But what, what sort of reactions did it get? Like, do they appreciate it to the level they that, appreciate? That we... they, they appreciate it. I don't think it's probably to the level that we do, but they they certainly were appreciating what was going on in that game a lot more than they were in the the Celtics Pacers game. That's cool. That's good to hear. There Apart you go. Converting Tell- the converting Norwich three people at a time. <laughs> yeah. Apart from the Miles Turner poster of um, Gordon Hayward. Oh my god. That was that was a pretty good moment that, wow. that, that got them excited. I'm, I'm trying to think what I was doing at that time, but I'm pretty sure I. I had something in my hand and it wasn't in my hand by the time I'd finished reacting. Yeah. Um, I think it might have been a bowl of cereal or something like that, as you casually do on a Sunday evening. Um, well, that was a rebirth of Gordon Hayward, really. I mean, he's the sixth highest played player in the league this season. I mean, he comes out in that game, has 20 points, 77% shooting from the field, 100% from downtown. I said to you on Slack, I can't believe you didn't reference uh, in your article uh, the, the resurrection being Easter Sunday. <laughs> I mean, he, he was... He was he was crucified by by Miles Turner, and then he came storming back. So, well, you know, you're a lot you smarter than me. I never claimed to be a, a whiz kid of, of these things, but I should have taken it and I should have ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we've we've had all these these sort of fantastic moments so far, and then last night we we had well one of the, the moments I think one of the all time great. NBA playoff moments. We had Damian Lillard scoring fifty points, knocking down ten three pointers, which was a career high for him. And a, your days are blurring into one. That was two, it was nights, two nights ago. ago. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine. There you go. It's it's, it's the hard grind of of, of of having to watch the or well, not having to watch of choosing to watch the NBA <laughs> and then function at sociable hours in the UK. <laughs> yeah, having it does feel like it's having a, to watch sometimes, but you know, the it's it's a playoff, <laughs> so it's not really a, a, a laborious task sure. like it is during a regular season, but um. No. Yeah, career high night for him, franchise record night for him, which broke he broke weirdly broke his own franchise record, but he doesn't shy away from the big time and he's had big game winners before. Um most notably twenty fourteen where he, he not he took Portland through for yeah. the first time in what was it, nineteen years or something that they they'd gone through to the second round. But um yeah, the, the other night against the Thunder, 
chance to win the series. Scores all tied at the end. They've gone the crazy twenty six and eight run to, to 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 get back into that game, and he pulls up from 35, 36, 37, 40 feet. Like nobody seems to really know. Um, and, and nails a three over one of the elite perimeter defenders in the NBA and Paul George. It was uh, one of those a defensive player of the year front yes. runner. It's, yeah. it's, it was it was beautiful. It was one of those get off your seat moments, and one of the you, you know five years down the line, you you won't be forgetting that one. Like this is, I think people have been saying all season long that Damian Lillard. We know he's been underrated. Everyone goes on about it every season. Um, with you know Mike Miller wrote an, uh, Mike Miller not you uh, Nick Whitfield I don't know how I'm getting you two confused Nick Whitfield wrote an article about how he was underrated last season and it seems to be a regular recurring theme on on our site certainly and you know around the NBA blogosphere but um, this was his moment like we all, every player has to have that moment Steph Curry had his moment against the Oklahoma City Thunder where he hit that half court heave in overtime to um, to win that series in when was that 2016. Um, did that uh, win the series? I don't recall it winning the series. Oh, it, it might it's, not. It's, I mean, and this is where it's sort of this is where recency bias comes in because I like I remember that shot being amazing, but I don't remember it having the level of importance that this had. And that's I'm kind of just like so I'm trying to rack my brains for for specifically buzzer beaters that have had this level of importance. Well, did and, it have? such a high level of importance or is it more the storylines that were built around this series because there's obviously people going on about it being like the greatest game winner of all time but considering well, that it, you know it, they it knocked out a team that had swept them in the regular season yeah well that's it, where the storyline is it's the it fact redeemed that they've been... the past two seasons first round exits including yeah, well, they were what Dave called himself uh, on on CJ's podcast Today, I think he said it was embarrassing that they'd been exited the way they were last year in New Orleans. Yeah, and I mean, the show we did a couple of weeks back with Jamie, he, Jamie was bang on the money. Lillard had something to prove, and he's bloody proved it. He went and proved it. Yeah, last season was was pretty embarrassing for him. He got shut down by Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo in that series. He only had eight. He had. I think he averaged eighteen point five points a game in that series. This year, that went up to thirty three. <laughs> and then when you when you look up his shooting percentage from shots beyond thirty plus feet, he was eight of twelve, which is sixty six, sixty seven percent. It's it's just a remarkable leap, and it it puts him in. Well, it's like him and Steph Curry and the elite territory of being able to make that shot. And that's what makes the fact that Paul George, who was the guy he scored it over, like coming out in the post-game interview and saying it was a bad shot just stinks so much. Like, I, I, I get I get why he's saying it's a bad shot because statistically in general, that would be a bad shot. But in the modern NBA that where three-pointer well, you've, you've is two, You've named two <laughs> players out of 450 who can hit it. Yeah. So... so but you know, in terms of the general population of the NBA, it's a bad shot. But you, you know, I don't think I don't. I, I get that there's some salt there, definitely some salt there. But I get why he's saying it's a bad shot because less than one percent of the NBA makes that shot. It's but he should have been smart enough and aware enough to know that this guy is like part of that one percent who can. Yeah, and, it's and not, he, he'd been, he did it in the first, the opening play of the first game of this series was a... From 30, almost the same spot. Was pretty much the, the same end. spot, yeah. I oh mean, you, yeah. you have to take it into account. You can't not factor it in. And Paul George being the elite player, the superstar that he is, he should be 
aware that Damian Lillard can do that. It's almost like a lot of the players have overlooked looked him the last few years just because he's you know was he up in Portland hidden away and waving my fingers in the air from everybody but you know no one's hidden away in the, the age of league pass and youtube and snapchat yeah he's not hidden away he's in state farm adverts <laughs> <laughs> definitely not but um well he, he's dame's been the, the the highlight thing since he came into the league he had a great rookie season and he's he's just had he's been pretty good since then i mean last year we just looked at him looked overlooked him a little bit because they got absolutely torched in that first round by the by the pelicans but um yeah it was it was unbelievable and it's certainly a moment that i could i think i can watch and repeat again and again and again goes down with plenty of brandon roy uh buzzer beaters which i watched when i was growing up so you uh, you're totally a blazers fan (laughs) i'm saying it on the podcast i'm going on record the amount of the amount of influence and impact and just just memories and nostalgia you have around the The Blazers. blazers franchise yeah, you're you're a closet blazer fan. I may well be, you know, but I I totally get it. He he's he is impressive. At what point would you say he's not underrated though? Because let's let's face it, he, I mean, he's been snubbed for all stars before, but he has had all NBAs as well. What 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 do you what recognition would you like Damian Lillard to receive in order for you to be satisfied that he is adequately rated? I want to say most valuable player. I'll probably get some stick for it. Um, I think he's a candidate for it. In, I, it I, don't down, an, I don't think he's MVP this year. It comes down to an argument we have every year as to how do you define most valuable player. Most valuable player, right? You know, David Lillard in Portland, the effect he's had on the community there, the impact he's had on that region, the 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 sort of spectacle that he puts on every night for those those fans in that city, and then to drag the the Blazers into the playoffs, you know, consistently since he's been there and to perform on the big stage 20, 2012 to get them through past Houston, who were, you know, that that team was stacked when you go back and look at it. Like Chandler Parsons was still Chandler Parsons. Um, <laughs> Dwight Howard was there. James Harden was there. Like, that was a good team. That was one of the one of the supposed contenders that year. And they knocked them off in sheer fashion. And that shot, I would arguably say, is more impressive than what he did the other night just because of, I think it was 0.9 on the clock yeah, a, that year. And he had, to shot, ca- yeah. he had to catch it. and Curling just, round just left off, heave the, it up. off the it was, screen. It was incredible. And he stands on the scorer's table and yells Rip City, like, you know, as memorable as it gets. But yeah, I, I think I'd say he probably has to win MVP at some stage um, just to get the recognition. But... You know, Russell Westbrook's got an MVP for Christ's sake, and Russ isn't isn't that much. <laughs> Let's of a start the Russell Westbrook hate. Shall yeah, we? we'll just drag on to what everyone else has been doing this week. But um, yeah, I mean, Westbrook's got plenty of failures. Yeah, no, I agree. Just quickly going back to that that um, it being a bad shot thing. Uh, I don't I don't care what he says because it is. I, I'm sort of I was trying to egg <laughs> you on a bit there. It's it's definitely salt because. You cannot say it's a bad shot when that's that was his tenth three. Paul George <laughs> would never take a shot like that in his life. He would not have the balls. Well, yeah, and like even some of the other threes, I'm not convinced that was the hardest three he made that game. I mean, Probably it was not. the furthest three. That did you see the first one where he sort yeah. of um, double clutched it? Uh, let's just get that in there. Um, <laughs> that was just obscene. <laughs> you know me. Um, it was just a huge performance, huge game, big, big 
big fu to the uh, to the, the general NBA community, including myself, who did not think they were coming out of this round. Well, that's the thing. They did like all those promo videos, and in the promo videos, they had like the you know CBS's paper view, like the view of CBS's website, and it was like everyone had picked the Thunder. Mm-hmm. And I just you know teams have traditionally done that in the past when they've they've been you know up in series and won series, but like that's why the moment was so epic and so memorable is because it was the culmination of almost a sort of seven eight month period of of all this talk between who's the best point guard you know between russ and 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 lillard and where does lillard rank among the the sort of golden era of point point guards that we have in the nba at the moment and that's why there's people coming out today and writing articles about him being a top five player like it's taken one shot to all of a sudden throw people throw him into people's top five in the league at the moment it's it's insane um that, that that just one moment has the ability to do that in the NBA, but but it does. But um, yeah, no, what what a night in Portland and knocking off the Thunder in some seriously fine fashion was a was a, a really memorable moment. But I guess the real question is where where did the Oklahoma City Thunder go from here? Because there's only so far Russell Westbrook seems to be able to take this team. Paul George obviously re-upped with them because he enjoyed enjoyed the, the well he. He enjoyed playing for that team and didn't like that. Well, he got to hide away from the the limelight. He wasn't in Los Angeles or anywhere like that. He, they put together a really good season. They looked like they were tearing into the, you know, the playoffs in in good form. But it all it all fell apart for them. I mean, where where does this team go from here? Do they have to? I've seen stuff today about moving Russ to the two because he's not a natural point guard and he doesn't know when to slow it down. Um, the reference that Charles Bartney made is that he's a car and he's trying to always do 100 miles an hour when he should be doing 50 a lot of the time, mm-hmm. which I think is a... So I get that. That That's something Joe and I have spoken about on this pod before. Yeah. Like the uh, Specifically to, to Westbrook and players like John Wall who rely on athleticism and don't build other parts of the game. In fact, we've talked about Dwight Howard in a similar way, you know, obviously a completely different kind of player. Yeah, but Dwight like burn himself re- out though. Exactly. The reliance on, on physical... Um, attributes that that depreciate more rapidly whereas they need to build other parts of their game and russ has never done that uh and i'm not convinced i'm sure it'll all come out soon so obviously you've, you've got the potential torn rotator cuff that that paul george has been carrying so they're gonna they're gonna lean on that as an excuse as to why it happened yeah that's why i couldn't get convinced. his arms up quick enough to drop a buck that shot <laughs> um and I'm not convinced Russ is healthy because this is a a huge drop off from last year, and he started the season with a I think he had a preseason there was some kind of scoping in his knee, and then within about a week of the season starting, he he was out for f- like two or three weeks with a sprained ankle. It's it's odd that he's hurt yeah. in that way and and dropped off so much. It's not odd that he's hurt because he seems to break his knees every other season. Um, it's just. The way he plays, he can't do it forever. And and if this if this is what he is now, he he needs to fix something. I can't see him sliding to the two because he can't shoot. Well, how, does that throw? Up, how are you going to? Sp- does that throw up the question of whether or not you could trade him and get some value back for him while he's he's still one of the elite talents in in the NBA? I mean, third straight season averaging a triple double. It's ridiculous when you go and look at it, but it's also the third straight season that the Thunder have been knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, which is, so is the not big ideal. thing for me. But they're in the Western is, Conference at the end of the day. Yeah, they are, and they're not a bad team by by any stretch. And they came up against a Blazers team 
that were playing they're playing above themselves at the minute if you're perfectly honest and the west has proved yet again this season that there you don't tend to sweep anyone in that conference like teams are good enough to scrap out a win when they need to get one when their backs on you know against the wall whereas contrast to the east where you you can you can still get sweeps because some of the teams that get in there are probably necessarily shouldn't be in there aren't talented enough to to have an impact on the, the opponent they're playing against. But in the West, like we saw how stacked it was trying to get into the eighth seed this season. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um I'm just trying to think of like how, you know, what the future holds for us. Well, he can't go eleven of thirty one again in a playoff game. <laughs> well, he like as much as the as much as the Blazers won this game and wow, this sounds cliche, the Thunder lost it. Lost they, it. Yeah, they were up. Because, they were cruising. Was it twenty six to eight? Yeah. 28 yeah and I, I so i put fired at the ipad at like five in the morning <laughs> as i do and sat there eating my sugar-free muesli uh, being a british like, nba fan don't you love it yeah i know <laughs> and i was just sat there like i was like are you kidding me they're down 15 or so uh, with like seven minutes to go i was like this is this is not good uh, and then they came storming back and i couldn't help but I, and i've re re re-round and, and watched several times the closing minutes and just how much Russ contributes to to the the Blazers winning? I mean, you had the charge where he could have quite easily kicked out because Lillard had come so far over to 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 help uh, CJ. You had the over the back foul on Mo Harkless, which is just I know like you got to hustle for a rebound, but at what point do you go? You know what? I'm not going to try and clout the guy who's a foot and a half taller than me because you know it's probably going to be a foul. Yeah. Um, and then that last possession, this is what I didn't get. This is what I never get is why is the ball in his hands versus someone like Paul George in that situation? Paul George doesn't want it. That's a Paul problem George has never away. wanted it. In Indiana, he had, a, he had a chance to win a game against, I assume remember it was LeBron, was it the Heat at the time? And he, he gave up the game-winning shot to somebody else and they, they didn't get through or so, he took it and he missed it, one or the other. But he's never but been that's, a big I think moment that's more guy. of the problem. Like as much as we can blame Russ, he shouldn't like Paul George. If that is the case, should not get away with this no. because if you looked at how they were matched up, then Russ was up against Camino, who is the staunchest of Portland's defenders and has an abundance of length over Russ and played that defensively perfect. The rest of the Blazers stayed true to where they were defending. They didn't hedge. They didn't drop in. Didn't like. Just didn't even hint that there was help coming. On the other wing, you had George being faced up by Harkless, who's their second best wing defender. The ball should have been in in George's hands. They should have run a pick and roll with Schrauder, who was uh, <laughs> I love that name, uh, Schrauder, who was uh, yeah, being guarded. Twang, was it? Yeah, yeah, I thought I'd try for you because you, you were born out there. It was. Um, <laughs> uh, so they should have run a pick and roll there to try and cause a switch because then you'd have had Paul George against Seth Curry. And I'm not being funny, I prefer That's those a mismatch odds. every day of the week. Exactly. Much prefer those odds. So I don't know whether it's, so it's, it's if it's Paul George, then I'm, you know, I'd be tempted to trade him as well because if you're getting rid of Westbrook, why would you want him still there if he won't doesn't want to lead your team? Yeah. Because you, you might get back exactly you know the value of Westbrook but it's not going to be an individual player I doubt no it, it would be it'd be a package so then Paul George is your de facto leader if it wasn't if it, if it wasn't George going oh hi guys I kind of don't want to do this um that was a kind of a game of 
Zonesy kind of voice. Um, <laughs> but uh, sh- shout out to to the Melmut brothers. Um, get me a, an extras job. Um, <laughs> um, if so, if if it's not him, then what the hell is is Coach Donovan saying to them? Because why isn't he identifying that? Why aren't they calling that play? I I just don't get it. Russ ends up taking a shot with ten seconds left on the shot clock. And it gives Lillard 18 seconds to get down the court. Yeah. And it's like, I'd have used up a heck of a lot more of that clock because I, I would much rather give someone eight seconds to get the ball from one end of the court to the other or one end of the court to the mid, um, as it turned out to be, than 18. It's just, I just, so much went wrong with there that was just fundamental decision making. And it makes me angry that and you know who's on the other team you know the other team has cj mccollum and damian lillard and rodney hood and seth curry like they have shooters they can get a shot if you give them the opportunity i know cj didn't have the greatest of games but he hit shots when they needed when they needed him to he's only one of seven from downtown in the end but that one he got was was critical but i don't know i guess it's the thunder not using russ probably not using his, his teammates but you say that he did have 14 assists so it's not like he isn't passing the ball but Jeremy Grant had a really good game. I think he had a pretty standout series. I think we're going to see a lot of him in the future. Um, I like him. I like, I like him, him a lot. lot yeah, um, and but I, 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 I can't work out what it is. He tends to, he he puts his body on the line a lot, and so most of the time you see him in a game, he's picking himself up off the floor, and uh, he gets a few charges here and there. But a lot of times it's, it, they call blocking fouls. But I like, I like the. He's got serious energy, and he played forty-four yeah. minutes, which in well in and that length. game, yeah. He yeah he's, he's uh Joe's been a big big fan of of him all season. Like every time we've done a podcast on the Thunder, have been mentioned. Jeremy Grant's been like the first name that rolls out of um Joe Herbert's lips. But yeah, he's been phenomenal. I think Dennis Schrader was really impressive. Um, he's already said today in his exit interviews that he's going to start working on his perimeter game um, because he believes if he has a bit more of a reliable perimeter game in the future, then that could help the Thunder. Which is true. But again, yeah. he was pretty good from downtown. It would allow Russ to drive. Yeah, sorry, Karen. Yeah. Um, but. You know they've got some decisions coming up in the the summer. I think Markeith Morris and Raymond Felton are, are uh, unrestricted free agents, so we'll see what happens with them. But this is a team that, you know, traditionally has been afraid of paying the luxury tax, but now they've got these two guys here. I think they just have to keep try and keep this unit together and add to it where they can. So what what does it mean then for for one of our? I, I'm pretty sure it's one of yours. It's definitely one of mine's. One of our favourite player um, players, Aquaman. <laughs> Well, I see people series. saying he's not been very impressive this this series, but I don't know what else he could have. I, I think the issue is the, the way the matchups have been wasn't ideal for him. No, and it kind of it it sort of leads me down the road of 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 how valuable is this type of player to a franchise in this era, like in the regular sort of traditional back to the basket center is what we're talking about here, yeah. Yeah, basically, uh, the lumbering giants. It's he can't spread the floor. He can't create those extra driving lanes like someone like Brook Lopez. Very easy example to make. You know, can do. Obviously, he he provides you a lot more defensive presence and rebounding numbers than than Brook does. But it's at, at what point is is this an, an overvalued type of player now? I mean, what's he on twenty five million? And I don't begrudge him that at all because i i love the dude um and he buys a lot of beef so, so much yeah uh, but it's just like <laughs> what what is his what is his 
his value going forwards. He needs to, he needs to adapt his his game, I think, or evolve it to, to to allow them to have more options. I guess it's the fact that he's he's probably not as let as athletic as a lot of the players in that position now. Um, he does, like you say, he does lumber around a lot. It's kind of lucky he was playing against Enes Kanter because I think Nurkic would have probably gave him a harder game of it. But the way the Blazers were playing, throwing the length of Harkless and Aminu and the switches they make, I think just made it really difficult for Stephen Adams to have any sort of a an impact on the game. And it's almost like he's, because of the way Russ plays sometimes, he backs off in terms of the way he crashes the boards because Russ is there all the time. Like your guard should not be getting seven, eight more rebounds than your center. It's just it's just ridiculous that that seems to be the case a lot of the time. And I know it's because Russ is always going for triple doubles, but like sometimes you have to think, just rein that in. Like you know, do the point guard thing, shoot threes, drive in the paint, pass the ball, like rebounding. Let, let the big guys handle that. Because <laughs> that because that, that those stats. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you're not grabbing you're not grabbing an offensive board or, or defensive or a rebound or anything, you need to just. They need rhythm, and if they're not scoring, which sometimes they're not, that you, they need to be some, doing something else. They need to feel like they're having an impact on this game, and it's just about the way you he feels at the time. And if he's grabbing 10 rebounds and only scoring six or seven points, then he's going to feel better than if he's scoring six or seven points and getting no rebounds. So, mm-hmm. well, I think that's fair. I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they do this summer because something has got to change. Who would have thought they'd ended up in the same spot they did last year, having got rid of Carmelo Anthony? It's crazy. They have an MVP on their team. They have one of the elite perimeter defenders, as we were saying. They have a guy who said, you you know, was flirting with the Lakers and all these other teams and ended up staying there. Like, they put everything together. They looked like they were going to be magnificent. They're a fantastic defensive team, which is even more impressive that they won this series. Uh, They lost this series, sorry, because defensively throughout the regular season, they were phenomenal. And then we saw it again in the one series winning this one. But... Yeah, there's... but it's it's interesting that their efficiency on both ends of the floor significantly dropped off after the All Star break, and it makes me wonder. Like going back to again, whether how how big an impact Paul George was having because we were talking about him as an MVP for about five minutes back in <laughs> yeah. March, and then it suddenly disappeared at the same time that this this, this shoulder injury occurred arose. So if that is maybe that is the kind of impact that that George has had on this team because it's it's ridiculous how much they dropped off on both ends. Yeah. Well, they're 4 and 12 in the postseason with this this Thunder lineup, so they're not doing great. And there was a Western Conference exec midweek after the game was basically just saying that it, he understands that Russ is a transcendent player like athletically he's phenomenal and he fights all the time, but he's not entirely convinced that he's a transcendent winner, which I think kind of speaks a lot if, you know, some other Western Conference executive is is saying that about one of the best players in the game. Yeah, I think it does. So anyway, moving on uh, to one of the other series, Denver-San Antonio. Um, game six is is tonight, so we probably don't want to touch on that too much. We're recording this on Thursday evening, but if you were to make a quick prediction now, who would you take? For, for the single game? The single game. San Antonio. San Antonio. Oh, we're going to game seven, boys. We are going to game, game seven. Game seven! <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's ours, ours. Need that. Need to bring that video back. Yeah, last night's game. I also saw the Rockets go through against the Jazz. They won that series, closing that one out at home, four-one. Um, not really any surprises there. I think the Rockets are quite happy that the other series in the Western Conference between the Clippers and the Warriors has been extended a little bit. It might help them, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that got extended as well after the Clippers won on the road in 
the Oracle, which is the th- the first time the the Warriors have, war- have lost back to back games at home since the 2016 playoffs. I think it's mental, isn't it? Absolutely mental. Because they lost, uh, it was in the finals to the Cavs, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, part of that infamous. Um, I'm not going to mention the numbers just in case any Warriors fans <laughs> listening, because I know it's a traumatic experience for them all. Um, but yeah, this Clips team, amazing. We've said a few times this season already, like how how this is like a fairy tale team, um, not as in like you know, way that's I don't know what to describe what I'm thinking <laughs> what? right now, but. You know, you know what I mean? They're not a fairy tale team. It's not like, you know, there's not birds tweeting around them, but there's the concept there's, of this. There's no this, self-entitled superstar on this team, is what you're saying. This is exactly it. They are a team that are winning without a superstar. Gallinari. And that is something I love. And they should be having the floor wiped with them every single game. But there's like a, there's like a complacency and an arrogance to the, to the Warriors at the minute. Um, combined with, well... I, I, not as not as much depth as they need at this point in the season. No, and I know that rotations get shorter. But. And the Clippers put seventy one points on them in the first half, which is a franchise record for the Clippers. And it wasn't like the Warriors played that badly. I mean, they still had thirty one assists. They only had eight turnovers. It was just they just didn't look like they could be bothered on the defensive end of the court. Um, yeah, there was in the, in, uh, when the game was still within two possessions in the last minute. They were doing some really bizarre things, just like they're just pissing about. I, yeah. <laughs> And and I know that Kerr said at half time he wasn't pleased with the energy. It's like, well, change it. Duh. Get out there and yeah. change it. I mean, Durant had forty five, which is a playoff career high for him. Uh, he was five of twelve from downtown. He was he was carrying them effectively. You only had twenty four and twenty two points from from Steph and Clay respectively. But yeah, I mean, to see what the Clippers are doing is is phenomenal, and to see the situation they're running themselves into this summer with the chance to land one, probably two max players is just going to be, you know fantastic for Clippers fans who've been in the dolls for a hell of a long time but Lou Williams and Montrez Howell I think those two have to be tra- have to come as a pair um, they're phenomenal to watch together it's like watching Marion Luigi it's incredible <laughs> I, I I love Harold. he's just like just just the kind of hustle heart player that just makes me smile there was there was one dunk he had where I can't remember who it was, might have been Patrick Beverly threw a bounce pass into the lane. It looked like Harold was about to lose it, and he he caught it as he as he sort of spun into the lane and went up over two warriors and dunked it. And I was just like, oh my god, I need to watch that again. Screen record. I'm going to watch that a hundred times. Yeah, it's <laughs> like they they've got another level of connection there because when when those two are playing together, it's just they're constantly feeding and setting each other up. It's it's phenomenal. And Lou Williams was asked like, you know, why is he? how does he perform so well coming off the bench? And he's like, well, let's be honest, no one's ever given me a starting role. So I just kind of had to adapt to what I was given. Um, they got him on an absolute steal of a deal because after he left the Lakers, like, I don't think he wanted to uproot his family again. So the Clippers got him on a bargain basement deal and it's it's paid off massively. He's been a phenomenal player for them and he's it's not surprised he's down for sixth man of the year again. Yeah, not a surprise. Is, is there any any doubt in your mind that the Warriors come out of this? I'd... that's a yes that's, it's probably a yes but purely because this lack of energy on the defensive end has been here all season and it just hasn't like they haven't flicked the switch everyone just has, has said they can flick the switch if you're you know in playoff mode you would have just walked through and, and blazed through last night's game but they look a little bit disjointed um, it's almost like they weren't expecting to lose Boogie Cousins actually because the series has kind of been a little bit different since he went down but well yeah I don't think anyone expects you to tear a quad no 
<laughs> but they were banking on him being there for them to counter the, the, yeah. the size that other teams are putting up against them. And teams are now... that's been their one weakness yeah. that we've spoken about before. Like They cannot handle physical inside presences. Which, which and, Harold certainly is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and Boga is certainly not the player capable of doing that. No. Just it's just bizarre. This whole this whole situation really like reminds me of that old I don't I don't know if it's so much of a cliche, but certainly like an old coaching adage that about hard work beating talent if talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. And it just what they're doing is phenomenal. I whatever you know, the the season could end for them Friday night and that's a win for me. Well Doc Rivers is a good coach as well, so you've got a great basketball mind on the bench and you've got players who just do what they're told on the court and you're seeing that, like they've they've got two rookies on their team, Shai Gildress, Alexandra, and Shamet, who like they don't look like rookies, man. That they're out there yeah. shutting down <laughs> Steph Curry every night and balling, like that they they know what they're doing, man. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. It's it's a really awesome sort of situation and circumstance that it game six is now. at home in the Staples, like Steve Ballmer going completely mental. That's going to be one heck of an atmosphere. Busting out the the hot dog cannon again. If they can keep it close, then I don't see why they can't cause you know force a game seven. But whether they'd win the game seven or not, that's probably wait exactly. I don't I don't see them winning three straight against the Warriors. I think that's where where superstar talent makes a difference. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's um, you know the the Warriors have lost three straight before, so. <clears throat> they have well, ga- well our game six uh, hashtag, NBA, uh, hashtag NBA in the UK poll which we put up on Twitter this afternoon has 59% of you taking the Warriors so it's closer than I thought it was going to be that is closer yeah. That's a lot that is closer. a lot closer and as for the other game that we were just talking about the Nuggets and the Spurs 62% taking the Nuggets for game six tonight so, but Ooh, you'll, you'll, you will road. know the result of that one by the time you listen to this podcast so We'll move on very quickly. Um, <laughs> right, the Eastern Conference, man on oh man on oh man, this is this is ridiculous. Um, the the level of talent in the top four teams in the the West, the Eastern Conference. I keep saying Western because I just assume it's the West that are good. Um, <laughs> in the Eastern Conference this season has been phenomenal. They've all made it through. We've got the matchups that we were dreaming of. We've got Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers, uh, Raptors, or Raptors Sixers, whatever way you want to phrase it. There's so many storylines you can go through on this one, but I just want to get quick overview thoughts on on the series. Really, I mean, Bucks Celtics. How the hell did the Celtics match up to to Giannis and have the Celtics managed to flip the switch? It looked like they had the other night. It looks like they've sort of round themselves into playoff form. All the talent is there, and it's clearly obvious that Kyrie Irving loves playing in the postseason. But Gordon Hayward is surely the difference maker for them if he can play well in this series. Oh, I'm nervous. Nervous as a Celtics, Celtics fan? Yeah, okay. I'm not a Celtics fan. Right. No, I know you're not a Celtics fan. I meant if you were a Celtics fan. <laughs> well, it's oddly, like, I, and I get I get fandom. Um, I understand it. But there seems to be this sort of blind ignorance. From Celtics to, fans. To, to, from get Celtics it, I get it. Fans. I mentioned that during um, the week. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the, the, I mean, I, get, I understand confidence. And to be fair, this is a Irrational really confident statement. Because there, cause there are definitely Celtics fans who are rational and uh, Josh Coyne Josh Coyne is one of them there you go there you go I'll give you a plug and once again he was referenced when we're talking about the Celtics which I know is one of his favourite pastimes Um, so so this team is probably the best designed team to get past the Bucks uh, in terms of the Easter Conference talent pools but I don't see this 
this four nil the sweep of the, the as the paces as being some kind of indicator that they've discovered the greatness they that they had last year at all. Like I've heard Celtics fans talk about how you know it was a fairy tale. So get out. <laughs> You average less than a hundred points, <laughs> like, and I get that pace comes into that as well. But no, like you, you played a team that lost its star player, and from the loss of their star player, were a sub five hundred team for the rest of the season. What did you expect to happen? Like, great, well done. You won four games. I don't. I'm not taking away from that. Just don't think that somehow this is magically means that you guys are about to go four, 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 and four. Like. It's 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 that that's nuts to me. Um like Indiana had a great defense for most of the season, but again that slipped. And interestingly, if we look at offensive ratings, and this is where it gets really worrying for me, only four of the sixteen uh playoff teams had a lower offensive rating, and all four of them than Boston, and all four of them are now done for the summer. That that worries me because they're going to go against a team now that has the number one defensive rating in the league, and they played low scoring games against the Pacers in the first round. They took advantage of the Pacers' lack of a go to guy. I think it's safe to say in the fourth. Yeah, quarter. massively. Um, exactly. They didn't. Several times in that series, they were down, and because the Pacers didn't have a closer, they lost it. Yeah, and um, Tyreek Evans, bless his heart, tried ever so hard to be that guy in game four he looked like he was the only player on the court who was trying it sometimes um mm-hmm. for the paces but it just wasn't enough like you're sacked against a roster that is 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 full of talent and all season long we're predicting them to win 60 games they go out and they sort of piss about for the regular season and get to the playoffs and then somehow come together i don't quite read into that fairy tale story um especially with the way that the bucks dispatched the pistons um See, I'm I'm not even buying I, into that. Yeah, much I'm not going to buy into it. We'll get onto that in a They set. weren't close <laughs> games. Like they were, you know, I know the Pistons had a lead in that game four, right? Um, right, half time and towards the end, I seem to remember. But Milwaukee, Giannis just yeah. went nuts and was like, "I'm not losing this game." And I think it's a different edge, different weapon in his arsenal that he's got this year. And you know, how the Celtics will play him is a, is one of the big question marks because last season when they played in the playoffs. It obviously went to Game 7, Boston on that one, but Horford spent a lot of his time guarding Giannis, and I'm not entirely sure Giannis is going to gonna sort of wilt away like he did at times last season. He cannot. He cannot. Not with the season he's had. Like, Boston, like, don't get me wrong, that is a talented collection of players, but whereas last year that, that, that team missing their, their two key stars or what we thought would be the key stars in Irving and, and Hayward, yeah. uh, Hayward being the guy that we thought would be a star and isn't quite at the minute, um, they were greater than the sum of their parts. Now it feels like the opposite this year. It feels like the total parts is, is less than the sum of the whole. Um, that does, that's a, that, I've fluffed that line completely, <laughs> but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It, it just feels the opposite. There's too much individual sort of, looking at it here um in terms of Horford versus Yanis if I'm Horford I am sagging as far off him as I can but not so far that he gets his his gazelle legs into gear and starts doing his euro step around half the arena um I'm sagging off and the other four guys have just got to stay no help like if uh, if Yanis shoots something like something stupid like 70 percent from from within three feet okay cool but he's still probably going to go for 40 if you if you if you cut the other guys out i'd rather let yanis get huge numbers but take the win yeah 
if that makes sense. But I, I just I don't know how they're going to stop him because if they, the minute they start coming to help, he's a smart enough player that he's going to find them, and they have got absolutely lethal outside shooting. Well, Boston did that last year. They just the first two games of that series. I think game two, Giannis had thirty, and in the first one, he had thirty-five, and they just they they were letting him go off, and they were just stopping everybody else on that roster. And that's where I think this series is going to come down to is what are you going to get from Eric Bledsoe? What are you going to get from George Hill coming off the bench and you know Pat Connaughton and Sterling Brown, who's been forced into to play in twenty five minutes a game in in the first round at least? But you know Malcolm Brogdon, if he comes back, he could have a big impact on them. He was one of the top ten uh, three point shooters in the league during the regular season. I think he could make a massive impact because he's a pretty good playmaker as well and he's got a lot of length. Um, but I think it, it, it it's going to come down to like the benches in this in this series. I think like I know. Giannis is going to be as impactful as, as he is and Kyrie is going to be the same but it's going to come down to the individual moments from the sort of the lesser guys I hate using that phrase but like it's going to take Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton I seem to remember torched them last year in the in the series um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did it again this year because there's no Marcus Smart to stop him that's a big loss that's a key loss because you could even stick him on Yanis for a couple of possessions, and f- despite the height difference, he was he a will be a thorn in the side. <laughs> yeah, he he is a beast. Um, I mentioned earlier I wasn't I wasn't enamoured by the the sweep of the 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 Pistons because they were the Pistons. Um, there was one one of my favourite lines so far from a colour commentator this playoff. Um, playoffs is asides obviously from the Jeff Van Gundy that Steph Curry system. Oh, Mark that was Jackson. hilarious! D- don't we all look the yes. same? We don't all look the same. No, it wasn't that one. It's the uh, it was the, one of the piston or well, one of the Pistons games. The the commentator described um, the Pistons as looking much more like an NBA team <laughs> when Blake is around, and I was like, wow, that's savage. <laughs> Firstly, um, more like, not like. Just more like, so they didn't even look like an NBA team, just a bit more. And secondly, not just, it was an NBA team, not a playoff team. He was basically saying, these guys don't look like the Phoenix Suns. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, this is savage. But, um, hey, Devin Booker, it was almost like he was, apo- yeah, it, yeah, it, it was almost like he was apologetic. I think it must have been the, um, the NBA Saturday or Sunday broadcast team, and it just sounded like he was apologetic to all the fans around the globe, and like, you know, this is supposed to be our marquee game of the week, and and honestly, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the franchises aren't this bad. <laughs> well, Detroit are in the dumps anyway. There's, I'm not too sure what that franchise is um is supposed to do, but yeah, those ga- those those first round games were were not close. Um, and Blake tried to come out in game four and play on one leg and it, it didn't it didn't go very well for him. I know he got a, a standing ovation, but yeah. Um I, I think Malcolm Brogdon would be massive if he returns in this series because he he doesn't just bring like the additional three point shooting, but he is that playmaker who can attack off the dribble and, you know, get in there and, and cause some problems. And I, I really think that sometimes Eric Bledsoe can can kind of switch off. Um I think it's fair to say. He's had a phenomenal season, but Certainly, last year in the playoffs, there was times where he kind of disappeared. Um, but yeah, I, 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 this this series is too close to call. I mean, I think it's going to go six or seven. See, I, I think it's going to go five or seven because I don't see Boston losing a win or go home game on their own floor. No, I, I, th- so uh, it's. I, th- I think it goes. I think Bucks win, but it's in five or seven, and I'm. I, I can easily see it go seven. 
easily. Okie dokie. I'm, I'm not. I'm going to avoid making a prediction. <laughs> no, well, I'm joking. Okay, joking. Right, hang me out, straight. <laughs> I'm, I'm going bucks in uh, bucks in six. Bucks and six. Bucks and six. I just think like so the, they, the storylines around this are, are, are pretty cool as well. Like you've got what is that scene going to be like? Yanis stood atop the table in the, in the garden, garden, just just dropped just being, fifty, hearing <laughs> hearing boos from every single Celtics fan as he lifts the crown off the corpse of. Oh wait, LeBron James. He can't take it off LeBron James, can he? Because he's not in in Boston. But yeah, the, the he's not even in the no, playoffs, he's not even in the playoffs. Just posting stupid stuff on Instagram about him oh, in the Lakers God. locker room, which I thought was weird earlier on. Um, Do you know what? I I I saw that clip and it made me feel like um, you know you on an acid trip. <laughs> no, no, like the 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 ex the the ex lover who is uh, trying to make out that their life's fine and they're not missing anyone. Yeah, yeah. and like you're just like. <laughs> Oh no! Wait a sec. This thi- th- my new partner, the NBA playoffs in this situation. I completely forgot you existed. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, made me chuckle. Same viewing figures. I'm glad you shared figures that with are me. Down, but oh well. You know, we've got the Bucks and the the Raptors and the Sixers and the Warriors and all these fantastic teams. There's there's plenty more basketball for people to be watching. But you know, if Milwaukee wins this series, it, it sets them up as one of the elite teams for probably the next decade. It might make Giannis the best player on the planet. Um, if Boston loses, then what happens to the Celtics? Does Kyrie Irving leave and sort off to Madison Square Garden, or do they? Does he stick around and pull in Anthony Davis? Like, there's 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 storylines that follow all of these series. Um, right, moving on to the last one: Philadelphia and Toronto. This one's tasty, considering this is the two teams that both made late regular season trades um, before the deadline to sort of push themselves over the top in the postseason. And here they are matching up against each other. Um, Toronto were really, really impressive after losing that first game against Orlando in round one. <laughs> game five, they did not, they didn't give up the lead once. It, it was phenomenal. It was just like watching a bunch of machines out there playing basketball, and I think Kawhi Leonard has a lot to do with that. They're a phenomenal defensive unit, and I think we're going to end up with a offensive and defensive battle in in this series. I think the the, the Sixers probably took advantage of the fact that. Russell and some of the other guys, some of the other young guys on that team, perhaps had gassed themselves out. I think it's fair to say, like they both, they all went a little bit doolally um, after they won that first game, and that series wasn't the same afterwards. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> doolally, uh, I'm throwing throwing out some stupid British phrases here. Um, but I guess the, I guess the question is, I mean, how do the Toronto Raptors go out and defend Joel Embiid, and how did the Sixers defend Kawhi Leonard? It's a great question. This is this is. This is going to be a bloodbath. Like on paper, I think Philly should win, but in reality, I can't look beyond Toronto. I can't look beyond Toronto because of the the defensive matchups that are out there. the The guys they can throw at Embiid, I think, are going to make it really difficult for him to get yep. any sort of traction in this series. Kawhi Leonard is a better player than everybody on that Sixers roster. I know they they brought Jimmy Butler in to be like the guy to win them games in the playoffs and to to guard guys like Kawhi, but I still don't think it's going to make a difference. And Toronto's depth on the bench is just on a completely different planet from what the the Sixers can throw out there. So yeah, I think I think one of the big things for me, you mentioned, how do you stop someone like Joel Embiid, is uh, try and make everything as physical and as as toll. Uh, you know, toll's the wrong word, but as take as much on of his a body, toll yeah. as possible on his body because we know he's hurt. 
and we know how important he is to that team and his his health it's it's a shame that I thought we would be on this now but it's a shame that once again his his durability as a player has has been called into question um I also think there's chemistry issues like there's inconsistency between uh the, that big four and I worry at and I feel bad saying this because I I stand for this guy um <laughs> the ability to exploit JJ in that Oh when god, he's yeah, he's just a sim. Yeah. He, he may as well not yeah. be there. He's like a turnstile on the primer. It's great. Exactly. <laughs> so you're going to get, you know, Mike Scott guys like that will be in. This is where they could have ideally, you know, done withholding on someone like Landry Shamet. But um, you, you mentioned it. The Raptors—they're a team. They're a unit. They know their roles. They know their responsibilities. And what's what's great is if their best player is down and missing, they're even better. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. Like, I mean, Kawhi's been. Well, some of his games have just been ridiculous this playoff so far, and it's just—I don't know. I don't get me wrong; they're probably going to lose game one because that's what Toronto do. Yeah. But, but I think this is is done in six. Yeah, I think there may be some really, really scrappy matchups, and there's probably going to be some really close games that come down to the wire. But I think at the end of the day, this the depth on this Raptors team is just—it's just too much. Like. You've got, you've got guys who've been in the playoffs and had big moments before. I think the Mark Gasol trade is going to be massive, and he's that's why they went out and got him. They got him for a series against the Sixers where he was going to match up against Joel Embiid. Me and you have discussed it before, but the figures, um, the defensive figures, where Mark Gasol is playing Embiid are not great. If you're a Joel Embiid fan, um, he pretty much embarrassed him on the two regular season games with the the Grizzlies during the regular season, which obviously took place before the trade took place, but. He's just slotted into the system. I think they've they've worked out the kinks. Certainly when they were first playing like the Knicks during the regular season, there were a lot of missed passes because I don't think a lot of the Raptors players quite realised how good a playmaker Marc Gasol is. Um, that's, that's disappeared now. And you've got guys like Norman Powell who are you know coming off the bench and having an impact, which during a long stretch of the regular season, they just weren't really getting anything... Um, reliable from him but I think they've got bodies to throw at um, Joel Embiid they're going to beat him up and then they can they can mix it up and go small ball on you as well and, and cause problems that way I just mm-hmm. think I, I know Nick Nurse is well there's, you, Nick Nurse isn't the most experienced of coaches but I don't think that's going to make a difference at the end of the day because I think Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and Marc Gasol and like the IQ and the guys that have been there and done that are going to make a difference and that's another thing you've got the matchup of Reddick versus Danny Green like when Reddick has a bad game you don't get anything from him when Danny Green has a bad game he's still a really good defender like he will still you know get you a couple of steals a game and he'll still get in the passing lanes and cause problems I don't think Reddick can have an impact like that on the game and it's it's a shame but I just think that their depth that they sacrificed to bring Jimmy Butler in in the first place is going to probably be their Achilles heel in this series yeah I I get that I, I still like when you see them on the floor sometimes though I still just sort of like take a breath where I'm just like holy crap this 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 Philly team is big you know both teams are big about the, I think <laughs> yeah but but for, for some reason Philly in my head just seem seem bigger like in terms of length and, and versatility Simmons and Embiid yeah right even even Tobias Harris and, and Jimmy Butler they're not you know they're big at one Boban yeah I don't know what I don't know what to say like they just they if they can spread the floor, uh, you know what though, 
I, I, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Simmons here. Because you know Kawhi's going to face off against him yeah. to start Maybe with. Maybe you. Mano a mano. <laughs> yeah, which, and which is going to be a really interesting matchup. Um, yeah, that, that, and what else are they going to do? They're, Tobias Harris, is as great as he is, and I, I, I think he is great, he relies too heavily on that mid-range jump shot, which is analytically poor. Um, and then Jimmy comes and goes. Yeah. Great games and then terrible games. Then it's these inconsistencies and, and holes that they're just going to exploit. I, I just I can't look beyond Toronto. I think we have all forgotten how good Kawhi Leonard is. Kawhi Leonard is. Like, I know he had some time out, but like we speak for yourself. We're seeing him in the prime time, just like he's like a Terminator out there. Like the reference has been made many times before on this podcast and many others, but it it was unbelievable watching him out there against Orlando the other night, and he's now got a partner in crime. Like you've got Batman, but you've got Robin now in Pascal Siakam. You know, spicy. Yeah, we haven't even Spicy P Pascal. has spicy been P. absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Like he. He did his post-game conference the other day and there were journalists from all over the world speaking to him, you know, guys speaking to him in French and all the different languages. Like, he's become, like, one of the go-to, you know, stars of the moment. And like Montrez Howell, really, he's just had a, a breakout playoffs where everyone's paying attention to him. And he's had... He, he had a phenomenal first first round series. I mean, he averaged 22 points a game, which is pretty damn good. And what's interesting is with his length, he's going to see possessions where he's sent out to, to match up on Embiid and if and if he can have some semblance of success they're going to go ultra small yeah and his his motor is just endless like I, he can have a quiet game by his standards like he had 16 points against Orlando in game four in game four and he was still you know in the corner making threes which he just he had no right to be making like he had guys all over him but because of his length and how good his catch and shoot corner three is it was it was nothing but net and he's a really good cutter as well he's trying to cut the back door and dunk it i just he, he's like a secret weapon like he's not really secret anymore but he's he's a guy they can they can actually rely on now and i just think toronto is full of so many guys where if they need to sort of lean on them for a little bit they can get that i guess the biggest worry would be when Kawhi and when lowry and and siakam are all on the bench which did happen occasionally during the the first round their offense kind of drops off a little bit, which isn't really surprising. So we might see some split minutes and, you know, we might see Lowry run, running the team while Leonard gets a bit of rest and vice versa. But do you think that will happen as much this this series? I mean, the the, the quality of a opponent is significantly higher. Yeah. The, the rest, the, their rest is going to go down. Their minutes are going to go up. The opportunity for all three to be on the bench at the same time is is going to decrease. Well, Nurse got a lot of criticism in game one, didn't he? Because he said they were saying he didn't really play Leonard enough. But I think Leonard wasn't too far off his actual average minutes for regular season games anyway. But We love to overreact to game one. We do. But he's he's come out and had, he's had 34 minutes. I think Carl's playing 35, 36 as well. Like they're out there and they are playing um, some significant minutes. But, you know, Carl Lowry got completely killed for game one but he's been magnificent since then so mm-hmm. we're going to overreact to game one but yeah i've I, i'm gonna go with raptors in five Ooh. i i'm spicy. i am yes i am spicy uh no i'm I'm generally i think this raptors team's fantastic i think the storylines that are there like they've gone all in this is where they you know they were meant to be but if they don't progress any further, then Kawhi's probably gone. He might be gone anyway, but at least if they can get to a conference finals and and have a have a have a go of it, it proves that he's got a team there that they can 
truly build around. I mean, you look even if they lose him this year, they've still got a really talented roster. It's amazing how different the Eastern landscape could look next year. You know, if the Raptors fail yeah. and Kawhi doesn't stay, or if Philadelphia fail and, and but- Butler and, and Tobias go, yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, and then Boston as well. There's there is a lot riding on playoff success this year for the for the future of the Eastern Conference and how it will which look. is a bummer really because like we've wanted a competitive Eastern Conference for ages because it just seemed to be LeBron every year all the time <laughs> and now this year we don't have any nobody has any clue who it's actually going to be. A lot of people think it's going to be Milwaukee, but people wouldn't be surprised if it was Toronto. And if Philly got on a run, then it could be Philly. And if Boston got on a run, well, it could be them as well. Like. It's you know it's we've got some incredible series coming up this weekend. Um, just trying to find out when they start actually UK time because I've I've lost a bit, lost track as to when they're taking place. So the Sunday game is uh, six p.m. start and that's the Boston series. Ooh, six p.m. Lovely. Yeah, because I, I, I was talking to someone at, at work about it today and they were like, oh, "Is that UK time?" I was like, "Yep." <laughs> Early basketball, which is you know. Amazing. I'm trying to think. There was there was like a five thirty start this week. There might have been a Philly game as well. It might have been Philly Brooklyn, and I was just like, I was in. The, I was, I was doing you know East, Easter Bank holiday, beautiful, beautiful sunshine. So I was obviously out in the garden doing work, and I was just like, tools down, NBA. It was just amazing <laughs> to just transition into into the house and and then get to watch NBA for about six hours straight. Yeah. Um, Raptors seventy six is the scheduled for Saturday, but there doesn't appear to be a time at the moment. Yeah, there's a TBD on it, isn't there? Which is uh, annoying, but we'll hope for an earlier game, I guess. Eight <laughs> thirty. Yeah, well, yeah, it's usually it's usually a bit later on the Saturday, isn't yeah. it? Um, the 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 early tip. So yeah, six p.m. Sunday, and then probably let's go eight thirty. I'm going to hedge my guess at eight eight thirty. Okie dokie. Well, the hashtag MA in the UK poll, which we ran on Twitter this afternoon, seventy three percent of people took the Raptors. Not a lot of love out there for the Sixers, and sixty-three percent of you took the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Celtics. So, yes, both of those surprised me, given the, the uh, massive amount of Celtics fans there are on our Twitter feed. Yeah, <laughs> and, and just the prominence of, of Philly fans here as well. Like the, the London game two years ago was just insane. It was. That was a great game, actually. Yeah, great atmosphere. Great Probably the best atmosphere we've had out on the game. Anyway. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do review us on iTunes and what Stitcher or whatever it is you, you listen to us on these days. Um, please do check out the website, doubleclutch.uk. Follow us on Twitter at doubleclutch.uk. Um, Mr. Miller, is there anything you want to mention before we go? Check out the latest Game of Zones. Oh, yes. Check out Game of Zones as well. I remember that. It is good. It's, it's all about the Raptors, just like this podcast has been. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, right. We'll catch you uh, at some point next week, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye.